The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world leaving for their honeymoon in less than 24 hours. But before I jet off to the Virgin Islands, it is time for me to record a podcast without my dear friend Jake Mintz. Jake Mintz is still somewhere in Tasmania, unable to access a computer. This was part of the plan. I'm not totally taken off guard by that. But I needed to find a co-host for this Wednesday edition of Baseball Barbercast. And it is not Mike Farron, my dear friend who normally joins me for Prospect Barbercast. I had to go get the best. The best an entire country has to offer. Maybe that's a little bit too much pressure. It is Ben Nicholson Smith of Sportsnet. Ben, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Baseball Barbercast. Well, it's my pleasure, Jordan. It's good to be talking baseball with you. I am a, a Baseball Barbercast listener, have been for some time now, and happy to be here in the seat talking some some baseball with you. So, you know, when I had to think, okay, I knew Jake wasn't going to be available on this Wednesday. You know, I could, okay, I could just get a guest and we could just hit one team and, and don't worry if you're listening to this, you saw Ben's name and you want to hear some some IKF talk, you're going to get that. We are going to cover some Jays. Although I do know that, you know, we're recording this on Wednesday morning. I know that Ross Atkins is scheduled to speak essentially as soon as we're done recording this podcast. So, I don't want to go too heavy into some Jays stuff in in case he's like about to announce some sort of crazy maneuver where he like trades for Otani or something. So I don't want to go too far down that road. I, I, but we will we will cover some Jays. But Ben, you are you I, I I consider you highly qualified, especially as I've gotten to know you over the last year. You you could you just know how to talk ball, and that is because you come from the land of MLB trade rumors. And 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 what <laughs> right. is is that is that fair to say? Uh, so far, everything you've said is very fair to say. Um, yeah, I. Um, I wrote for MLB Trade Rumors mm-hmm. for four and a half years, and um, man, that was that was a really cool way to get to know the inside of the industry a little bit and just understand transactions in a way that I certainly hadn't before, and probably haven't since, if I'm really being honest. Because never, you know, before or since was I so invested in every Padres waiver claim, every you know Diamondbacks draft pick. Like I was pretty dialed in. Um, not that I'm not now, but it's definitely a different, it's definitely a different experience now where I'm more zoned in on the Toronto Blue Jays, but Mm -hmm. there was a period of time there, 2008 to 2013, where it was very much, you know, working, uh, you know, every single day for MLB trade rumors. And that was, that was kind of the way I started writing about the game. Yeah. Which, which again, I'm glad you, you kind of give the timeline there because I, you know, met you for the first time this past year and I was like, oh, Ben Nicholson Smith. Like I knew you've been working at Sportsnet, but it was it was one of those moments where I was like, oh shit, like I've been on the baseball internet for a long time because in my head you were at MLB Trade Rumors like a few years ago. <laughs> right. I know. I, <laughs> and that was like, it's wait. Funny. And so I then when I reaction. was looking, when I was refreshing, like I was, you know, look, I found, you know, I, I Googled your name and and Melby Trade Rumors and I and we're pulling up like the Mariners to 2013 offseason review or 2012 offseason review and I'm like oh shit like that's the most recent thing he did I was yeah. like oh my god he's been gone for a while it's true and it's it's funny I I get that reaction from people periodically because I think that in this game sometimes people and not just in baseball but in life people can lose track of how quickly time flies and you look up and it's been like eight nine ten eleven years. <laughs> Since that, you know, that moment that someone met me in that context of me being with MLB Trade Rumors. So it's not an uncommon reaction. I think sometimes, uh, you know, we lose track of just how long it's been. And um, and yeah, so, you know, if you go through those archives, you'll see a lot of, you know, AJ Burnett rumors and Mark, Mark Teixeira rumors. Yeah. You'll see all kinds of, you know, those are the big names, right? And every year yeah. it changes and it's always it's always a good time. Well, and so what's so interesting, and I think why you know I particularly associated you with it is it's a pretty small group of people that have kind of, as I was reading, you know, they have Tim Durkis, who's you know the, the founder and, and and creator of it, and and I I don't know exactly what you could probably tell me exactly what year he found it. I think it was two thousand five or six, um, roughly. But 
it's not that long of a list of people that have kind of been mainstay contributors to MLBTR. Like it is, it's a pretty small group. And so like, it's just a few names that you assess. Obviously Tim's at the top of the list, but I feel like you were one of them too. I know they're, they're I was just reading some of the bios for some of the guys on the, on the website. And I realized some of them like Steve Adams have been there for, for a really, really, really long time. But that website is, as we've joked about, you've probably heard us joke about it on the show before. Like it is, what is so beautiful about it is it, it's kind of exactly the same as it was 10 years ago. Like oh, it's, yeah. it is as, and it's basically the only baseball website you can really say that. I know baseball reference in a lot of ways has stayed the same, but it feels exactly the same. And, and that's not a bad thing. It is so simple and so useful in that sense. Yeah. Tim has done a great job with the site and, you know, he really, there was a period of, of a lot of growth kind of when I was joining the site and it was really getting a lot of traction, a ton of page views, which it still brings in obviously to this day. But you're right, it hasn't really changed fundamentally as far as what it means to go to MLB Trade Rumors. I bring it up on my laptop, like on the actual browser. It's not like on my phone. Um, I, I go to the site in real in real time. So I think Baseball Reference almost is a good comp. And it's like, I, I, I know I'm biased, but I still think it's an indispensable tool in the course of a baseball offseason where you've got your fan graphs, your depth charts, your, your baseball reference. You've got MLB TR. And I think that's a credit to Tim and the work that him and people like Steve Adams have done over the course of many years there. Yeah, and especially because, and I know for a fact Jake does this even more than me, um, where like we feel compelled to be checking Twitter so much, uh, which is something I'm looking forward to not doing. I, I'm actually planning on deleting the Twitter app during my honeymoon over the yes, next five days, that is so which funny. I have not, like I'm very excited to do that. So, but like MLBTR, I know for a fact Jake will just instead of open Twitter, forget the Met, especially as that app's become horrible, just horribly messy. You can rely on MLBTR is going to tell you exactly what you need to know. Like you will not miss anything because of how fast it is. But the the one last big picture question I wanted to ask you from your time there and what you recall is that one of the things you've probably heard us joke about is like what clears <laughs> MLBTR standards from the standpoint of does this require a headline? Does this require its own post? Because the reality is every, the whole industry is looking at this, right? And yeah. so, and so you have to imagine like no one's going to get mad at MLB trade rumors, but during, over the course of this off season, when it's slower, <laughs> I imagine, on, on, and you can't speak for them now. I know you haven't worked there for a long time, but I'm curious about the process of deciding what <laughs> qualifies for a post, because that is what is you know, perpetually one of the most interesting elements of the site. Of, of course, because is it a headline or is it within an AL East notes? You know, these are the big, <laughs> right. these are are the big distinctions. Are the notes or does yeah. it deserve, like, okay, for example, like I'm, I, I'm looking at the site right now and details on Yuki Matsui's contract with Padres ended up being its own post, you know, <laughs> and that that's its own headline on here, which wow. I, you know, now this is an interesting contract and it come from MPB and there's some, but it's, it's, you know, but then I scroll down D-Max Tucker Barnhart agreed a minor league deal. Now, is that getting a headline if no free agents of significance have really signed in the last two weeks? I, I don't know. You, you tell me. See, to me, the Tucker Barnhart one, that's definitely its own post and I'm 10 years <laughs> out of date with this stuff, but um, the, the contract details one, that's interesting that that would yeah. rise to that level. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's always, and you have two on the other side of it, like now that I'm no longer uh, writing for MLB Trade Rumors in heaven for 11 years, I will still send them stuff in the hopes that they'll use it. And I don't do this all the time, but sometimes if it's a busy time of year, I'll say, hey, I have there's you know, you guys might want to check this out once or yeah. twice a year. I'll send them an email. And, and, and I know I'm not the only writer who does that. And that's right, a good right. thing, I think, to have that work shared um, in a place where, you know, the industry is going to see it. Yeah, but it is just it's just so efficient. And then there's all kinds of tools on there too, like, you know, the agency uh, database. Um, obviously, there's transaction tracker searching on there. And there are other sites that, that kind of have versions of those. But uh, it's... Uh, and then by the way, you know, you mentioned some of the names like Mark Teixeira and some of that. Like, I love too that the essentially the whole history of the website is still accessible. So like if you want to yeah. find the top 50 free agents from 2009, it looks exactly the same as the list of the top 20 50 free agents for 2024 like you can go read and i don't know if you how much you contributed to those top 50 lists during your time there but it is funny how again it looks it is there's nothing different whatsoever yeah for sure definitely put in lots of work creating those lists that would have been like the 2000 
9, 10, 11, 12, 13 off seasons, like mm-hmm. definitely would have put in tons of time on those. You're totally right too. the trackers. I think they're one of a kind in the industry, the agency tracker and the transaction tracker, free agent tracker. All that stuff is is really, really good. The arbitration projections mm-hmm. that Matt Swartz oh worked gosh. on to I was, yep. you know, at, at the site at the time, those that we were creating those just, you know, more so facilitating a little bit behind the scenes. Obviously, Matt was the one doing the, the, the numbers work. Um, but incredible work that I think is is something that, well, not just I think, I know that agencies and agents and players look at that stuff every single winter. So it really has created an impact on the industry. Yeah. Oh, it's the best. Okay. So now enough about the, sort of the meta hot stove discussion. Although, again, like in the way that, you know, sh- like, sh- like as far as I'm concerned, you know, Tim Durkis is, is hot stove Sean Foreman, right? Like that yeah. is the way I, I think about uh, what he has, you know, kind of given us uh, with MLB trade rumors. Um, but uh, then also, you know, sometimes I pull up MLB trade rumors. I'm like, how many of these are trade rumors? They're not. <laughs> like, they're right. Not, it's not exactly. like I, I could scroll a while before I see a trade rumor. Like, That's I, I right. Feel you like, got to get I back to like, the core business. Let's get some <laughs> real trade rumors here. Yeah, I feel like when you go to the site, there should be at least one trade rumor on the like the first page that you see, maybe not the first yeah. story, but if I, I want to be able to see just the, that, that if, again, if I was running the show, I, Tim's done a great job. So I'm not going to try and say that he needs to change anything, but anyway, okay. Enough, enough meta commentary on, on the industry. There were some significant baseball transactions that took place, which you may or may not have found out about on MLB trade rumors that we should probably talk about. And I think we need to begin with the Boston Red Sox because they're the only team that's done anything really in the last week. Two seismic moves around the new year, the first of which was signing Luke Giolito to a two-year, $38 million deal, I believe, uh, with an opt-out after the first year, which was like, okay, Red Sox, okay, we, we did something, that's nice. And then for them to immediately turn around the next day, two days later, uh, and trade Chris Sale to the Atlanta Braves right <laughs> Saturday afternoon. The baseball industry just can't help themselves right now. We thought we're, we're going safe in the new year. Um, and Craig Breslow's like, I don't give well, I'm more likely Alex Anthopoulos, yeah. your countryman. This <laughs> dude does not give a shit about what people's holiday schedules are. And we get this trade. So let's start with the very basic thing, a question I'd ask Jake. Um, and sorry, we didn't get to do you know, live reaction content because, again, it was Saturday. And we're like, you know what? We'll just record this next week. All right. You, this all happens very quickly. You see Chris Hales going to the Braves. Like, what are you, what are you, what are you thinking initially? Honestly, surprised. Like, because, you know, you talk about trade rumors. So it's not like there was a lot of buzz. No, this and, was not. This was <laughs> not on LV. This was not rumored. No, it really wasn't. And we've seen Anthopolis do that so many times over the course of the years. Um, not only in Atlanta, but in Toronto. He would kind of strike out of nowhere. And... This is definitely one of those moves. And I think we're still getting a fix on Breslow, what his priorities are now, what how he operates in general, right? Like, is he going to be a Jerry DePoto type who's trading a ton, maybe? Or is this an exception? And we'll look back and we'll say this was just him setting uh, some plans in motion for the Red Sox. But, you know, I, I do like it for Atlanta. I think that you add some high upside to that rotation. They've already got such a good position player core. Um, I, I like the move for them. And for the Red Sox, I don't know where you land on this, Jordan, but I'm still kind of piecing it together. Like, it still doesn't totally make sense to me. They still kind of look like the worst team in the division. Uh, it's not that I mind the Grissom edition, or right. and I like the Giolito edition, but I'm just, it hasn't totally made sense to me yet. And that's that's my issue, too, with kind of where the Red Sox are going and, and just the general direction of the franchise. Now, admittedly, they are operating from the fact that they have finished in last place the last few years. So there's clearly problems with the roster that, that we're going to be need to fix no matter what. And no individual move is going to do that. But as I look at these like individual moves, even the first one they made this offseason, okay, we trade for Tyler O'Neill. I'm like, okay, yeah, like I, I get that. Okay, swap him in for Verdugo. You know, we add some pitching in the Verdugo trade. Like, okay, the problem, the, the, the macro issue, even if we like some of these individual moves, is that the Red Sox are just not acting like a big a big market team anymore. And like yeah. this is what the fans have been been freaking out about, and, and rightfully so. You have a situation where when Craig Bressel gets introduced, Tom Werner uh, delivers this quote. Uh, this is, again, this is the beginning of November, right when Bressel's introduced. Tom Werner, who's essentially, he is not, he's essentially below John Henry, the owner. John Henry, the owner, does not speak 
publicly very often on in the uh, purposes for Red Sox purposes anyway. I understand he's heavily involved in Liverpool and is focused on those dealings uh, just as much, if not more. But Tom Warner, who's basically, you know, right below John Henry in terms of the face of Red Sox ownership, said, we know that we have to be competitive next year. So we're going to be competitive next year. We're going to have to be full throttle in every possible way. And just as, again, we always latch on to these lines that own that, you know, ownership, whether it's or front office, give us when they are telling us what they intend to do. And when they don't seem to be acting in accordance with those, you know, those words, they're going to get shit for it, right? And for the Red Sox, when you have that quote followed by reporting from Chris Cotillo, even after this Giolito signing and sale trade, where Chris Cotillo tweets, according to a baseball source, the Red Sox have told at least one free agent target that they need to shed more payroll before pursuing him as aggressively as they want to. We're talking about a team right now who was not in the luxury tax last year, who right now projects after the sale trade to be like 50 plus million dollars below the first threshold. You wow. know, we're we're not even close. We're not even sniffing the luxury tax right now. So if the Red Sox are still acting like, ah, oh, we, we're not, we're not like, okay, no one's asking you to be the Dodgers, right? Or even the Mets. Most of the big teams, if you're be, are, are are over 200 million, right? Even the Blue Jays at this point are pushing up in that direction, right? Oh yeah, they're over, and they're over, right? And so yeah. to be nowhere close there, to your point, there's there's just a it's the picture is just not complete, right? It's either completely misleading and just a farce. Or there are many, many moves more to come, which I could see happening, right? Like I could see them signing Snell, signing Montgomery, signing, you know, maybe a couple other hitters, bringing back JD Martinez. I, I don't know, whatever, like versions of that. Like I, there's, 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 as we will talk about later, there's a lot of offseason left. But to your point, it's just incongruent. It's, there's not, it, it, none of the move, like in isolation, I'm like, okay, nice move. Okay, nice move. But to your point too, they finished the last, last couple of years. The roster isn't that good. It's not bad, but in the AL East, it's not nearly good enough. Yeah. And they have some nice young talent coming up like Cassis and Duran, obviously. And it's not like they don't have, especially offensive talent. I think that it's a pretty good offensive team that can hold their own. But yeah, that's, that's really striking when you look at those comments in contrast to the way they're actually spending money. And you know, going into this offseason, I thought with respect to the Yankees, the Yankees weren't acting like the Yankees. Like to me, mm -hmm. they were acting like just, I don't know, like the Brewers a little too much, yeah. like, you know, maybe like the Diamondbacks or the Mariners or just like kind of a small to mid-market team. Mm -hmm. Then, okay, they go out and get Juan Soto. You're starting to act a bit more like the Yankees. And they were obviously serious for Yamamoto, even though they didn't get him. You start to see the pieces there where it's like, okay, this is real. And the Yankees are a better team now even though I still think the Yankees probably need another pitcher in their rotation too. Um, having traded Michael King, I, I see that as a big hole and they should be in on Snell. They should be in on Montgomery. So we'll see where that leads. But I think the Red Sox definitely look like a team to me that needs another arm after trading sale. Um, and, and not just because of the sale trade, but you look at how their whole season went last year. They didn't have enough starting pitching. So to me, they need to be in on, if they get Snell and Tay Oscar, like maybe all is forgiven. Um, if they get, you know, even if they add whatever it is, a Montgomery, then they're going to be in a position to contend for a wild card. But at this point in time, it hasn't totally landed yet. So it's, it's yeah. obviously still in motion, but I'm not really seeing the finished product. Right. And also, and I, I do want to dig into more of these specific moves in, in a second here, but to your point about the Yankees, like, yeah, you trade for Juan Soto, like that's acting like the Yankees. The Yankees are also one of four teams that have yet to spend a, a dollar on a free agent, yeah. right? So yeah. <laughs> no, they're not again, done yet. They, we, clearly they, they try with Yamamoto and you could do, argue about the degree to which they try, but but yeah, big picture, before we zoom back into Boston and, and these specific moves, like one of the fascinating things for me constantly as we talk about is, is how ownership talks and how front offices talk and the ways that which different ownerships and these people in charge manage to piss off their fans, right? Because, and, and also just the standards in, in all these different markets and like what people become content with, right? We were experiencing an offseason, we're going to talk about the Reds a little bit later, where the Reds and Royals are throwing around money. At a time when, like, they should be. Yeah. Or, 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 like, it, it, it's nice to see, right? Tigers, yeah. Tigers, right? And, and it's like, I almost feel ridiculous celebrating that to the degree that I am. Yeah. But but that's kind of where they, they push us. And these expectations push us in these different directions. Or, like, what the D-backs are doing. People are treating them like they're these, these saints. Because, oh, my gosh, look, they decided to keep pushing. And, like, yes, that's good, right? 
And then we'll get to Toronto, right? I mean, Toronto is also, I'm sure I'm most interested to get your, your take on, you know, where fans are feeling with that. But every fan base, because of the way that the people in charge talk about that very much indicates the expectations and also how we treat them. And, and it's, it's totally different for every team. And I, I've been dealing with this for the Mariners all winter, obviously. Right. Considering with the comments that have been coming out of there is like, yeah. I find myself being like, Oh my God, like Mitch Garver, what a miracle. I'm like, this is like the easiest thing in the world. Like this should not be something that is like, so such a huge accomplishment. And yet that's where I find myself. So as for the Red Sox, like they're just all over the place. And after firing bloom, now you bring in a guy like Breslow who basically talks a lot like Bloom and like some of these moves are very Bloom like I would say but which is fine I didn't think Bloom was a terrible GM so it's like I don't really know what to make of that but to your point like what does Red Sox ownership actually prioritize what do they actually care about I don't know yeah and this is where the next like few weeks will really tell us a lot about where they can actually go here because yeah. I agree I thought that you know part of the reason that the Red Sox job was was going to be and i know they had trouble hiring people but it's still yeah in in my view like it, it was the team was in a good position because bloom had in a lot of ways done a lot of things well yes and so you're looking at a team that was like this was not a catastrophe sure maybe they had some last place finishes but they had a lot of pieces in place yeah. it's not like they had a ton of bad contracts the sale no. even the sale one they obviously ended up being able to move to some extent so they were not in a horrible position and it could have been something where they pushed forward here and so far, I haven't really seen year. them push forward. You know, right? that's the other thing. Like, the, you could say that they they already missed that opportunity and that, like, that's what ended up sinking Bloom. And as far as we, we always say that the as as for all the GM speak that we hear from these guys about being efficient and c considering the long term, like, of course, the GMs would like to spend the money and get the best players like they they. <laughs> That would make their job easier in a lot of respects, but because of the way that their jobs are often judged, in some respects, maybe they they are also scared off by it more than the owners. And end of the day, too, the Red Sox have an opportunity here because the Yankees, to your point, they've added Soto, but they still have some holes. The Rays traded Glasnow away. The Blue Jays, for all of the talk about Shohei Otani, like IKF is the guy we're talking about right now. Um, yep. And the Orioles, I mean, the Orioles are the best team in the division, in my opinion, and they have an amazing offense and they have some emerging pitching, but... They still have not really They've spent done nothing. and pushed. That's you know? another one. That's another one where it's like that's a team that, in theory, we should be holding their feet to the fire and being like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Talk about an opportunity. Your payroll's at seventy million, and you're still sitting. And yet, what am I supposed to tell Michael Elias? He's doing a bad job. Right. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're obviously doing an amazing job, but right. they should also sign Blake Snell, right? Of like, course. it should oh, yes. be that yes. should be. But I haven't even heard. Cease. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. and it should that should happen because yes. there's such a clear need. Yes. Um, but you know the Orioles are still probably going to win 100 games, so I you know, know maybe that's yeah. not the team that um, you know the Red Sox are going to catch. But there are probably other other teams in this division that they could catch because I don't know if Tampa wins 100 in 2024. Yeah, and, and we'll see again. Like a lot, a lot of moves left for all these teams. But but to your point, like I don't look at the Red Sox and think like, oh gosh, like they're doomed. Like it's it's tough because of the division they're in. But there's there's enough here, and because the farm's a lot better than it was a few years ago, like there's there's room to work with, but there's still a lot of work to do, I would say. Now I, we should talk about these specific moves a little bit more uh, before we get to to your Toronto Blue Jays. You personally, uh, yeah. <laughs> you you and Rogers Communications, uh, That's right. ownership of, of Toronto Blue Jays. Um, Chris Sale. Let's just do the individuals here. Let's do Chris Sale first. Uh, yeah. It's like the first instinct is, oh, he's not the same. He's had so many injuries. He barely pitched in 21 and 22. He was pretty good in 2023. Now, it was very weird. It was a very weird season for him because if you recall in May, he was like throwing 99 miles an hour. And inexplicably, his velo was just all the way back in May. He was he, against the Phillies in Bryce Harper's first game back. He's, again, throwing like, through like 20 pitches, 97 plus. And in May, his average fastball was like 95. He gets hurt a cup, like a month later, is out for a few months. And then at, in September, he was not throwing hard at all, but he was still pretty good. And really what that tells me is Chris Sale is still a pain in the ass to try and hit against, essentially no matter how hard he is throwing. The yeah. issue is 
why am I trusting him to stay healthy? I, I mean, I, that's that's the reality right now. That's not his fault, and doesn't mean it's not a good a good bet. And when you consider the deferrals and the fact that the Red Sox are covering a lot of deal, like totally understands for Atlanta. We'll get to Von Grissom in a second, but that's just kind of where we're at with with Sale. He, he's not the same, but like when you put him in the context of this rotation, which admittedly has some other health question marks as well. It still makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. He's still I, pretty nasty. I think it really does. And I think like if you get 75 or 80 innings from him in the regular season, fine. But if you're able to kind of manage his innings to the point that in October, and obviously Atlanta, we're fully expecting that they're going to play deep into October. If he's available for you, he can come out of the bullpen, maybe give you two, three innings. Maybe he starts a game. You know, you can use him however you need to use him. He's obviously a gamer. He'll take the ball in any context once you get to the playoffs. And he can be really effective. So I, I think that he's almost better suited on a team that knows it's going to be in October as opposed to a team that's trying to scrape in and really needs to get those innings. To like maybe... the Red Sox. <laughs> right, right. So you can kind of see where this trade, exactly. Yeah. He actually yeah. is much better suited to Atlanta. So yeah. I like this move for them. Definitely, I, I think at this point in his career, you're not going to see a lot of seven inning starts. Last year, he was, you know, it was kind of five and dive, but that's okay. Yeah. That's a lot of pitchers in today's game. Yeah. One of his best starts was actually at Toronto. I don't know if you remember this. Um, September 16th. So this is after he comes back from the injury. He basically misses all of June and July. Um, and then, yeah, 10 strikeouts, six innings, one run. Pitched into the seventh. Again, it was not like the velo was just not there in September. So I don't. But like the fact that it was in May in a way that it hadn't been since like 2019. Like I don't. I have no idea what to make of Chris Sale at this point. But what I do know, too, you mentioned game and, and Thopos already had some quotes about this. While he has had some moments over the years of some somewhat asinine, absurd behavior, <laughs> uh, as well as, you know, some comments and some uh, general views of life. We know his uh, vaccine stances, all those things, whatever. People in baseball fucking love this guy. Like, as far as a teammate goes and as far as someone who you know, you just want to have around and like is the ultimate competitor. And by the way, the Boston media for as much as the shit that he took because of the injuries and the contract and which again, in retrospect is like an absurd extension, all things considered to begin with, with all due respect to what he had accomplished. Uh, this dude is as accountable as it gets as, as, as up, like he was not ducking anything. Like this guy wanted to be out there the whole time. And sure. You maybe hear that about guys that are hurt and, and that's fine. But he is someone that, that you know, I think I saw some quote being like, you know, the Braves, they have a fuck ton of talent, but in some ways they might need some edge, you know, and Chris Sale certainly brings that. Yeah. In that sense, it's a great pickup. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's going to be interesting, too, because they have that that core in place, obviously an amazing core. Add Sale to that mix. That can only be a good thing. So mm -hmm. I'm really intrigued to see where that one goes. Yeah, absolutely. Now, their decision to flip Von Grissom, I, I again, I think we use... As I'm very rarely going to criticize trading an expensive pitcher who's injured for a talented 23-year-old position player with six years of team control. Like that is just very basic baseball sense. Now, again, it only makes sense if you're able to fill in the innings from sale and get more pitching, all those things. But just in a vacuum, like that's a pretty good move. Von Grissom, a very interesting player who was not a high draft pick. I mean, he was known in high school, but like 11th rounder, I think. Didn't get a ton of money and then was just immediately raking. Just just in the kind of ways that you very rarely see from high school prospects in particular. Just hit all the way up the minor league ladder. Burst on the scene in 2022. And then it just seems like the Braves were kind of like, no, we don't think he's that good. Like they let Orlando Arcia, not Orlando, I mean, Orlando Arcia won the job. And they're like, no, like this guy's just not, he's not a part of our core. Which that tells me something. It doesn't mean I think he sucks, but like I... I don't know. <laughs> the brains are usually pretty good at knowing who's good and who's not. So yeah. I have to learn, take something from that. They really are. And especially when it comes to their core, it's like all in or you're gone. You know, <laughs> they're, <laughs> right. they're either right. extending them for like seven years in some absurd extension or they're trading them. It's interesting with Grissom too, because I don't know about you, but like I kind of feel like I've heard about him for a while now. And then I look up his fan graphs page. He's 22 years old. So it's like this is a guy who has not only reached the major leagues, but had some success in the major leagues by 22, still all those years of control remaining. So like you said, like if you're the Red Sox on value, this is a good deal and yeah. we'll see where it goes. But this is, you know, if you're looking at this through the like quote unquote asset management lens, that's a pretty nice trade.
Yeah. And again, he's and he's a good fit. He could just be their second baseman and okay defender. Like we don't need him to hit. I mean, part of it with Atlanta was just like how much impact is there really from an offensive standpoint. But again, like the standard down there is so ridiculously high that like they don't feel as desperate to hang on to a guy like Grissom. Like it's not, they might not think he sucks. They're just like, yeah, it doesn't fit and we want Chris Elmore. So here you go. Yeah. <laughs> let's, just, yeah. let's just do that. And um, they're in a position to do yeah. that, which most oh, teams aren't. Absolutely. Uh, last uh, last thing part of this here is, is Luke Giolito. Now, this is a guy who um, much more interesting and I would say even more divisive. Now, we, we moved past it pretty quickly because the sell trade happened after. Now, you know if you're listening to this, uh, as biased as you're going to get, Lucas is someone, in, as the baseball, as far as the baseball space goes, that Jake and I have known for about as long as any player. Um, and so watching him over his career has been extremely cool. And to see where it has gone, the ups and downs, the worst pitcher in baseball to no hitter to the last couple of years, which has really struggled, in particular this past year, where, I mean, listen, like this dude had to pitch for three bad teams in one season while being like a, a like it's a very unique situation that he ended up in um being bouncing between these three catastrophes now Cleveland by the end was just irrelevant but like White Sox and Angels are about as bad of an organizational situation as you could be in and I know Lucas appreciates his time in, in Chicago and that's that's no lie but it was a tough year right and he was dealing with you know he Dealing with some off-the-field stuff, too. You know, he had a divorce during the season. So, like, he was a year from hell for Lucas, right? Like, that is a fact. He To think that he was going to figure it out and make the necessary tweaks while he's bouncing between three teams that are all losing and have the worst possible vibes, like, it wasn't going to fucking happen. And so now you have a situation where he gets to prove himself again, one of the youngest pitchers in the free agent market. Boston is a fascinating fit for him because ballpark-wise, it does not appear to be the most friendly fit. But what Lucas has always delivered is innings and what Lucas has always delivered is strikeouts. And that alone, I think, makes him worth the risk. Now, for Boston, it's an interesting one because if he pitches well, he's he's probably gone, you know? So in that sense, it's also a question of the Boston direction of, are you expecting to be winning the division this year with Lucas Giolito leading your rotation? Like, I don't know. But I still like the move in general uh, because I do think that he is going to bounce back and in a more solid place. I think he will f- make those necessary tweaks. Yeah, I think all of that makes sense. And like you said, I mean, that sounds like a really turbulent year. I mean, three teams, that's that's a lot. And three, like you said, three really bad teams. Mm-hmm. Just a tour of the bottom of the American League for <laughs> Giolito. So it's good for him to have one spot, um, you know, competitive environment. Fenway's a cool place too. Like oh, Boston, yeah. you know, this is, it, it's just, it can bring out the best in some players. No question about that with the pressure and with the, the opportunity to impress a fan base that's super, super invested and super dedicated to its players. So, yeah, I think that you look at his youth, you look at his stuff, you look at his history. That's a great deal for, for any team. I, I honestly would say that about any team that signed him to this contract. It's just a good deal. It's like what the Dodgers and Giants do with a lot of these short term deals. It's, you know, if someone does this with Stroman, I'll say it's a good deal. I just like that type of deal. MLB front offices like this type of deal because it's it actually has a lot of reward there. The risk is really low, and you you need to have good pitchers in your rotation. And Lucas Giolito can definitely be a good pitcher. And I think to your point though, that's why I am surprised that they were the team. Like, but this is a sign of the Red Sox being aggressive, you know. Yeah. And so the fact that they were the team to do it and not the Cubs, not the Giants. Not some of these other teams that, I mean, Yankees, again, not a great fit, whatever. But, like, there were other teams that made a lot of sense to do this, and Boston was the one to step up and do it. Credit to them. You know, credit to them. And and I'm I'm glad Lucas got his deal. And if he pitches well, he'll be back on the market. Even still, even at age 30, you know, next year will be relatively young for a free agent pitcher. So, always rooting for that guy. Obviously, as likable as it gets. Um, And so, nice to see him get a nice little chunk of change from the Boston Red Sox. All right, Ben, let's take a break. And when we return, it is time to talk about your Toronto Blue Jays. I know I'm the one wearing a Blue Jays hat today, but it's time to talk Jays, IKF. We're just going to do, we're ready for three hours on IKF. Okay, not three hours on IKF. All right, we'll be right (laughs) back on Baseball Barbecast. Hey, everyone. Producer Chris here with a brand new housekeeping note about our merch. Basically, we have a bunch of new stuff. 
So if you've been looking for a baseball barbercast themed beanie or bucket hat, or even a t-shirt with one of those cool pockets on the chest, well, you can stop looking and start buying because they're all available right now, just in time for winter. Just go to podswag.com slash baseball and don't leave yourself clothesless this winter. That's P-O-D-S-W-A-G dot com slash baseball. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast. I'm Jordan Schusterman, joined by Ben Nicholson-Smith. Before we talk about the Blue Jays, Ben, um, something I, that was kind of crossed my mind was you are uh, a hyphenated legend. We've seen more hyphenated names in sports in general. And one of the biggest ones is also from Toronto, Canada, and is like taking the basketball world by storm. Do you have Shea Gilgis Alexander takes? Do you like? Is are you number two on the hyphenated uh, Torontonians power <laughs> well, rankings? Uh, if I, I think I'm probably far lower than number two, but it's not not for me to say. I am not the biggest basketball okay. um, person. That's um, that's fine. But, you know, that sounds like he's having a great career. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Good well, for him. He, the reason why I, I really brought it up is because I was okay. So everyone just calls him SGA. I mean, it's a long name. Gilgis yes. Alexander's it's it's a mouthful, right? And he's on the Thunder, my brother's favorite team, and he's just he's amazing, and he's having an MVP season, all these things. But cool. people call him SGA, and then it got me wondering: Do people call you BNS? And then you log on Zoom, <laughs> and your Zoom name is BNS. But then yes. I Google BNS, and it's the Bank of Nova Scotia. Which it is, sure is. So yeah. has that been a, a complicated thing in your life no. to be the bank? Of, or, or has there been any confusion or has it been convenient? <laughs> I, I think you're probably the first one to to make a bank of Nova Scotia, um, you know, to bring that into the conversation here. People definitely call me BNS. Um, okay. If you search it on Reddit or Twitter, which I definitely do not advise, then, you know, um, yeah, uh, please don't do that. But um, yeah, um, I, I think that for an IKF, of course, would go by yeah, the well, we're, triple we're, I know. initial. We're, we're, you guys um, will be vibing, I'm sure. Yeah, there's something about the the triple initial that I think brings that out. It just it has a nice rhythm, mm. maybe. So yeah. for whatever reason, um, some but people not all of them are are perfectly. I, I can't think of an example, but that's that's why I was like, oh, is BNS something? And then I was like, oh, that's convenient. It's 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 the biggest. I don't know, biggest bank in Canada. I I have no idea. No, I wouldn't say biggest, but it's up there. It's it's, it's one of the there, big banks, right? Yeah. They 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 they're the Raptors Arena now. They they took over. They 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 right. they took over Air Canada. So that 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 tells me something about the True. the power of BNS. But for the purposes of this podcast, BNS is the person bringing you the news about the Toronto Blue Jays, and so far. This winter, there has been <laughs> a lot of news about the Toronto Blue Jays, but not that much actual transaction. Transact cr- transaction. How about that? There you go. Yeah. No, it's um, true. We have Kevin Kiermaier. We have IKF Isaiah Kinderfeld. Our new now Toronto Blue Jays. We don't have enough time to like totally recap the Shohei Otani experience. I remember talking to you a lot in Nashville as this was sort of building up to that. I'll let's just at least address it. How like we, we, it took a while to get through it, and we don't have. To, there's a, there are a lot of discussions that expanded beyond just the baseball of the journalistic, you know, integrity and all this shit. I don't really want to get it get back into that. But from the basic standpoint of Blue Jays fans after not getting Otani, like how did that set the tone for the mood of the fan base relative to where the offseason began? Oh, man. And I know you and Jay covered this, so I'll, I'll leave the whole, you know, saga behind. But if we're talking about the mood of the fan base, remember, as, as I know you guys do, um, playoffs, twins, two games, done. Very painful. Not not pretty. Offense pretty tough show up. You know, very, very little offensively going on. And then, of course, we all know the Barrios-Kikuchi decision. Again, yes. don't need to relitigate that either. And, <laughs> so. but, and, but again, also what happened in 2022, right? So we're... Well, Oh, dude, or 2021. Or 2021, they missed the playoffs on the last day of the season. Or Mm -hmm. 2020, when they go two and out to the race, right? So Mm -hmm. this is a team that the best, the best playoff, the best ending to their season in the last four years was when they lost and got swept at the trough. That was the (laughs) best way their season ended, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's been, it's been pretty bad. Then the, the end of this season was also frustrating for Blue Jays fans. Then gradually in the course of November, it kind of becomes apparent. Hey, the Jays are serious about Otani. And like they were, I, I 
again, I, I, we don't need to go too far down this. I, I'm going to get carried away quickly. But like, they were very, very serious about Otani. They offered something close to $700 million for him. They wanted him. They didn't get him, obviously. But as this is unfolding, Blue Jays fans get their hopes up. Understandably, this is through reporting from myself, through others that you see nationally, locally, whatever the case. So fans are getting excited because it's like, what if we got this historic player? Then... He goes to the they, they didn't right <laughs> they but, didn't. but again like that like th- what i'm fascinated by is like that getting your hopes up <laughs> in some ways it was a positive step of okay this team is serious about trying to to do something to respond to what has just happened now every team was going to be interested in otani whatever and to get into that mix is interesting but now the aftermath is, oh my gosh, is the pressure somehow even higher than it was when the season ended? Or is that unfair? You know, well, I, I don't know if pressure is the right word because I, I think a lot of Jays fans just went from like feeling really dismal, feeling really down to feeling hopeful to feeling even more down than before. Right. And so I feel like it's not even a feeling of pressure necessarily. It's like this detachment. It's this... Right this deep frustration that IKF and Kevin Kiermaier have not solved. Right. <laughs> right. And you I know, know and, and that, of course they couldn't, right? Right. That's, right. That runs and, too deep. And the way I describe like those moves is like, again, there's a lot of off season left, so it's stupid to judge the whole, but like those moves are the moves you do at the end of the off season to like sure. kind of finish out the roster. Yeah. <laughs> they're not the, they're not the headliners. And like, you know, so even when I write something like, Hey, IKF raises the blue Jays floor, <laughs> which I think he does. Cause he's better than Ernie Clement. Well, you get ratioed so hard because fans don't want to hear that, right? They want to right, hear, right. fans right. want to hear, IKF is a disaster. This is not enough. Right. And it's like, well, okay, but right. it does help them. So I'm not going to say that. That said, though, for IKF, it's like, at least they're not pretending that I'm <laughs> Derek Jeter or like the fucking Yankees. Like, it, you know, it's a different situation where, you know, for IKF's like, this is fine. This is easy. I could go be the regular bench utility guy that I was meant to be as opposed to like the shortstop for the Yankees, which was a farce from the beginning. So for him, it's fine. And, and I totally agree with all that. Now, as for where they go from here, again, I like moves are going to start happening. So we'll see how quickly it goes. But they're one of several of these big market teams where the pre- this is where get back to the pressure. There's people, a lot of fans that are like, do something right now. They might not. You could say, OK, you could be frustrated with Kiermaier and IKF still more than the Cubs have done. Right. Still, you know, the Giants have done one thing. The Red Sox, we've, we talked about their moves. Like, the freaking Rangers have done nothing. Now, no one's going to get mad at them. But, like, there are these other teams that have still been pretty quiet on these fronts. And so they're, they're not alone in that respect. But what do you think is the most likely, you know, course forward? Because how do we still expect them to be aggressive in a very serious way towards in, in terms of free agency? So the Jays right now, they're a good team. Like they, they have good pitching. They have right. some good hitters. Okay. But at the same time, they are a worse team than they were at the end of last year. They have gotten worse because they've lost Brandon Belt and Matt Chapman and Hunjin Ryu. Um, they obviously lost Whit Merrifield. They have brought back Kevin Kiermeyer. This is a worse baseball team. So, you know, they still have work to do. And I think the Kiermeyer move makes sense in isolation. I think the IKF move makes sense when you look at this roster. So those are moves that I think make a lot of sense. But they still have to do more. And specifically, they need to add offense because, you know, again, you lose Chapman and Belt from a lineup that already underperformed last year. Of course, they need guys like Kirk and Vladdy to step up in ways that they didn't in 2023. But they also need some outside help and they need to deepen the bench. They need to deepen the overall roster. So does that mean a Jock Peterson, someone in whom they have some serious interest? Could that be Reese Hoskins, J.D. Martinez? There are lots of DH options out there. They're going to get one of those guys, and then they probably need a second bat. So we'll see where it goes, but they need to keep adding. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think, but but the the point that you just mentioned there is, I still think so so crucial, which is that I still look at the roster and the names, and I think, okay, this lineup should still be pretty good. Like the whole point of this Vlad Bo experience was that you have these two foundational franchise offensive juggernauts. Not to mention what we thought Kirk was becoming. Not to mention that George Springer is still on the team. Like, there are still pieces, let alone, you know, Jansen has been a, a really good offensive yeah. player. Like, Varsho, we thought was going to be a, a really good offensive player. And, and maybe that I still believe in him, one of my favorite players. So, like, to your point, I, I, I agree. They absolutely still need that offense. But I think that speaks so much that the degree to which they <laughs> underperform, not just the free agents that they're losing, but like so many of these names we thought were going to be super studs and like obvious, you know, 120 OPS plus, if not Vladdy MVP levels, 
it just haven't really been that. And if you have an open DH spot and payroll and uh, you know a willingness to spend, like do it. You absolutely no have excuse. to fill yeah. that. In. There's there too many no of excuse. those options here exactly. on this market. Yeah. And and so they'll do that, and and you know we'll see who that name is. But I think also, and no one wants to hear this part. I understand it, but I, I think that part of it is if you're looking at this through the lens of the whole organization, you have to find ways to get Kirk and Vladdy and Springer more. Whatever it is, just is it more motivation? Is it more preparation? Is it, I don't know, you know, that's for them to figure out. But one way or another, George Springer was not supposed to be someone who comes in and posts like a 750 OPS as a corner yeah. outfielder. Nope. Alejandro Kirk, you know, he's said to be working really hard in Dunedin, Florida to get in, in great shape. That's a good thing for the Jays. We've seen Vladdy's Instagram videos. We know what he can be. So a lot of this does have to come internally. But in addition, the Jays need to add. Oh, 100%. Um, David Schneider, by the way, the true, the true goat of the, of the Toronto, <laughs> the Toronto offense. If, if they were counting on, that was the, that's when I all kind of knew they were in trouble last year in some respects. I was like, wait, David Schneider is their best hunter. Like, I mean, I'm, like I'm enjoying the story. That was like the best moment of their season was right. when he came up at Fenway park. Like that's right. not what you want. No, no. But to your point, like this is still a pretty good baseball team. And yeah. so, like, the, there is still a really good, bit better than Boston, right? There's a yes. there's a good foundation here where if you make the right additions, you should be right there. And that's what's so maddening about teams like Toronto, teams like Seattle. Obviously, it's like you have this strength. We are asking you to do so little to put yourself in an even stronger position. So please do that. Yeah. Uh, ben Nicholson Smith, you need to go talk to Ross Atkins soon. And so I don't want to take up too much of your time. I am going to choose. To I'm going to cover the rest of this solo. I'm just going to I'm just going to riff it. So I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you go. I appreciate your time. Before I let you go, any final big picture Blue Jays thoughts, or if there's anything else that you're most looking forward to for the remainder of this offseason? Um, I'll say okay on Bellinger and Chapman. I'm just super fascinated to see where those guys land. I don't think Bellinger's in play for the Jays anymore. Chapman probably remote possibility. Bellinger I think makes tons of sense to the Cubs. I'll be really fascinated to see what Boris can get for him. Is that over 200 million? Chapman, I think, probably goes to the Giants at this point. But what happens if the Giants aren't serious there? I think they are. But, you know, is that 7175 to the Giants? Is that, you know, I don't know. Um, uh, but I think that I think it'll be really interesting to see where those two guys go in particular. And of course, Snell, I'm fascinated. Do the Angels jump in? Is it the Red Sox? You know, the Angels. Oh. the Angels have to do something, right? <laughs> no. Like they can't just sit there all offseason and do nothing. So I, yeah. I, I know, yeah, you're right. I have to run, but I could I could talk about this stuff with you oh. for for a long time. But thanks so much, Jordan. Um, and uh, yeah, keep up the great work. You and Jake on this podcast do an awesome job. BNS, just flying past SGA in my personal uh, Canadian hyphenated power rankings. You can read Ben at Sportsnet. You can't read him at MLB Trade Rumors anymore, but I, I do recommend going back and reading some of his stuff from 2012. Really good, really good work if you really want to go back <laughs> and live in the past. Uh, ben, thank you so much. And uh, we're going to take a quick break, and I'll be right back all by my lonesome on Baseball Barbecast. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast, the end of this Wednesday edition. I'm Jordan Schusterman, and I did have to let my guest co-host, Ben Nicholson-Smith, go to the Ross Atkins Zoom here on this Wednesday morning. I understand that he and the Blue Jays will be uh, meeting with the media, um, IKF and Kiermaier talking later. So maybe Mr. Atkins gives some more clarity on the Blue Jays' future, obviously, if you are more interested in Blue Jays-related matters just follow Ben, uh, him, Scott Mitchell, a lot of the, the just there's some really, really good um, Blue Jays media that I have enjoyed reading. And it is a it is a fascinating team. I know they don't necessarily get all the same coverage in this uh, on this side of the border, which is understandable, but it is still a fascinating roster that I always enjoy talking about. So thank you to Ben. Uh, but I did want to touch on a, a few of the other moves that have happened over the last week or so, just because... I don't know when we're going to do this otherwise, so I'm just going to roll solo and, and rattle off some 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 Fuego takes on, on Zach Plesak and, and the like here uh, before I say goodbye, because as I mentioned at the top, I am leaving for my honeymoon uh, on Thursday morning, and Friday we have a pre-record that I'll, I'll tell you all about at the end. Jake will be back um, next week. So I'm just going to run through uh, some of the other moves that happened. The Reds signing Frankie Montas, another sneaky Scott Boris client. 
Montas getting a year and 16 million guaranteed dollars from the Cincinnati Reds is yet another just masterclass from the Boris Corporation. This is a guy who we've seen be, you know, a, a not maybe a number one, but like a two, three at his best in 2021. This is a guy that also, you know, had a PED suspension of 80 games in 2019, situation where it just sounds like he was, I mean, cheating is cheating, but it seemed like, you know, kind of a more of a, a negligent situation and not knowing what he was taking. But that's also has colored his career and made teams kind of wonder how how good is this guy and, and whatnot over over the years. But he was really good in 2021 with Oakland. Of course, gets traded to the Yankees with shoulder issues and it's just kind of a catastrophe. Like total, totally terrible move. You know, at that deadline, we had him, we had Tyler Malley, we had Luis Castillo all kind of being discussed in the same way. And those three trades went very, very different ways uh, for those three teams. Of course, Montas never really makes any sort of impact in New York because he has all these shoulder issues. I've kind of been the low guy on Montas for a long time. I think the Reds being the team to sign him is absolutely fascinating. It seems like they have, when you combine with the other moves that they've made, bringing in Nick Martinez, um, bringing in uh, you know Emilio Pagan, they are just not wanting to have what happened in 2023. I mean, I saw it up close. They were using pitchers that you wouldn't want to be using all the time if you intended to make the postseason. And so... In that sense, I understand trying to add a bunch of pitching, but Montas in particular, it feels like they saw an opportunity to go for some serious upside in the way that if you're a team like Cincinnati, you don't always get to access externally. They didn't want to trade. They still don't want to make any trades uh, from their depth of position players, and maybe they still will. But Montas, I mean, we're looking at a rotation now, if healthy, which it wasn't, so it probably won't be again. Green, Montas, Lodolo, Abbott, who's great. Ashcraft, who I still believe in. I know a lot of people think he sucks. Nick Martinez can start. And then you still have guys like Brandon Williamson, who made a bunch of starts, Lyon Richardson, Connor Phillips. I mean, that's eight guys that you, nine guys that you could reasonably feel okay starting games in 2024. How many of them are healthy? Now, you're not giving Montas, like, he's going to have a job if he's healthy. Martinez, it seems like they're more comfortable with him being a swing guy, which is interesting to me. But I don't know. I mean, Nick Crawl said yesterday, okay, we're done. This is probably the team we're looking at. I think there's still a trade that could be made. I know people assume that India is going to be out the door because they still haven't made that move and they have an awfully crowded infield. But at, at some point, I also just think that they're like, look, we need as many good players as possible um, to see them spend real money here is in the ways that they've done it by adding a risky, expensive pitcher and bringing in Candelario to an already crowded infield is, is an interesting way to do it. But like, I think Nick Kroll's done a really good job. So I'm going to kind of trust him there. I, I do like a lot of what the Reds kind of have going on internally. And I'm I'm fascinated to see how this works. So I, I'm low on Montas. Um, if he's healthy, it, it is a pretty, pretty good pitcher. He is a kind of guy that I feel like could pitch pretty well in, in a smaller ballpark. Two, real, two different fastballs when he was at his best, his splitter was absurd. One of the best splitters in baseball, good slider as well. So there's definitely a good version of that, just kind of an odd fit. So definitely intrigued there. Uh, excited to see, to see Montas kind of up close in Cincinnati in the upcoming, upcoming season. A couple other pitcher signings, the White Sox signed Chris Flexen. Just wanted to shout, I mean, Flexen, a true Mariners legend who, you know, came back from the KBO after his time with the Doosan Bears was just such an important part of the Mariners pitching staff. 2021, 2022. And then this year, just straight up turned into a pumpkin, was getting absolutely crushed, had no room on the Mariners staff anymore as they had all these younger, more talented guys. Ends up exiled to the Rockies, which is the worst possible place he could have gone. He's getting blasted there all season. And then, but I think, again, for a team like the White Sox, you know, not just, of course, they're starting their KBO All Star team with Eric Fetty. They just need reliable innings. And if anything, Chris Flexen has been durable. And maybe you still think that there is some some upside there as a potential trade candidate if you if you could kind of get the right tweaks. As far as bounce back pitchers go, Zach Plesac, uh signing with the Angels is a, an absolutely fascinating move. What a strange few seasons for Zach Plesac. This is a guy who was a later round pick, looked like the next great Cleveland development story. He's amazing in 2020. He breaks the COVID rules about going out during the 2020 season. Him and Mike Clevenger, you know, just being total shitheads. They go out, they break the rules. They are completely non-remorseful. Fleasack <laughs> records a video in his car, driving without a seatbelt, being like, nah, man, this is what really happened. Don't trust the media. And like all this just complete nonsense. 
that was sort of set the tone for Zach Plesac's um, attitude, to say the least. Then in 2022, he gives up a home run to uh, Jake Lamb with the Mariners and punches the mound and breaks his hand. And that's the end of his season there. 2023, he's just dog shit in the beginning of, of the season. And the Guardians are like, we're we're done with you. Go to AAA. He's in AAA just absolutely sucking for the whole year. So really weird sequence of events for his career. Seemed like he was going to kind of settle into being a, a back, back end of the rotation guy uh, and just kind of couldn't get out of his own way, it seemed like. So maybe I don't really see where the Angels have a spot for him. Maybe he's moving to the bullpen. Again, like as far as reclamation projects go, like you're looking for guys who are cheap and have had big league success. I mean, it's not the worst option. So in that sense, fine. But in general, I'm not exactly expecting the most from Zach Plesak. Maybe he wins the fifth starter spot. So uh, interesting move there for the Angels as we see what else, what other kind of money they're going uh, to spend. And then one final move, uh, which came down on Tuesday, was the Padres making another interesting signing, reportedly agreeing to a deal with KBO uh, closer, Korean reliever, Woo Suk Go. Now, this guy, we just saw them sign Yuki Matsui, a lefty closer from Japan, who's been one of the best relievers in MPB for the last decade. A little bit of a shorter track record for Go, who's I think only 25, but really uh, impressive numbers, impressive ground ball rate, very unusual velocity for a KBO arm. I mean, especially even relative to Japan, you're just not seeing serious cheese um, in the KBO. It's just, and that's part of why it's hard to project their hitters even more so. Guys like Sung Kim, guys like Jung Hoo Lee. I mean, the average fastball there is, is closer to 90, even 90, 91. Then in Japan, you know, we see 91, 92, 93, and there's, there's much more harder throwers. You know, Go's a guy who could be, live in the mid-90s, touch 97 or so, really just good fastball cutter, hard cutter, good curveball, high ground ball rates really high strikeout rates, of, of course, with saving games. And then the other fun thing with him is uh, he's married to Jung Hoo Lee's sister. So <laughs> that's kind of a strange, you know, little brother-in-law uh, connection there. They will both be in the NL West with Jung Hoo Lee, of course, being with the Giants. I'm sure they've already faced each other plenty with uh, Go, who's been on the Twins, and, and Lee, who's with the Heroes. Um, I'm intrigued. I don't know if Go was represented by Scott Boris. Uh, Heyman, who always gets the Boris scoops, John Heyman is the one who reported this. I don't know if that was some sort of uh, clear, uh, you know, connection there where he actually was was representing both guys. Wouldn't surprise me. Either way, Padres continuing to find creative ways to add innings that they are trying to replace. Still a long way to go with that pitching staff, but they have added a lot of interesting arms via trade, Rule Five draft, minor league free agents waiver claims, um, and now some some real free agents. So credit to the Padres for getting creative there. Uh, and they, they're definitely building a fascinating, fascinating bullpen. So uh, to that, I, I definitely uh, give them credit. Otherwise, um, yeah, I mean, you know, just reading Jeff Passan wrote a, a whole thing kind of taking stock in and where the offseason is and where it's kind of heading over the next uh, few weeks. I've certainly take great interest in that as someone who's about to log off for five days and not planning on really looking at my phone or, or the internet to see how, how many moves am I going to miss. Jeff kind of floated the notion that the arbitration, uh, the date, the deadline for to exchange arbitration numbers, which is uh, January 13th, could kind of serve as a, as a proxy deadline for when action could really start picking up as teams have an even better sense of their payrolls and their rosters going into the season. Another great example of the baseball industry just completely procrastinating and refusing to commit to actually doing things. At this point, I think it's just going to be kind of a staring contest between the agents at the top who are controlling the top of the market like Boris with those top guys, Montgomery and Snell and Chapman and Bellinger, not to mention Hoskins. Um, and we still have the hater and we still have, there's some big names still out there. One name that I think we will see signed soon is, is Shota Imanaga, the Japanese left-hander, because he has a an actual deadline, which is January 11th. So I imagine that is going to happen in the next week or so. It'll be interesting to see where that number ends up being. I think it's going to be a lot bigger than some people realize. And I think there could be some real value there. And there could also be uh, to the point where it's like, oh, listen, this guy's solid and, and not necessarily an impact pitcher. Uh, but man, I mean, it, we're seeing guys, I mean, if Montas can get 15 a year, if, if Giolito can get the kind of AV he did, you know, coming off of his, his struggles the last couple of seasons, like people teams will definitely pay for pitching. It's just a matter 
of, uh, of which ones are, are willing to do it. So we're definitely going to see some moves. I, again, maybe we'll do a situation where I am totally offline and Jake can reveal some moves to me next week. Um, so now I'm going to kind of just tell you what the general plan is for the next week. So first of all, thank you all for uh, indulging me as I spout off a few extra minutes on Zach. Please, Zach, thank you to Ben Nicholson-Smith for joining me, talking Red Sox, talking MLB trade rumors, talking Jays. That was a delight. Friday, we have a very, very special podcast dropping. We have a special interview episode with Vanderbilt baseball head coach, Tim Corbin. Now, no, we didn't get to do Prospect Barbacast this week, but this will serve as a nice fill-in for that because Tim Corbin has been leading arguably the most successful college baseball franchise uh, franchise. See, look, I'm, I'm, I got, I got to revert back to college baseball mode here for a second. College baseball program uh, for the last, you know, really this century. And we had the opportunity to sit down with Coach Corbin when we were in Nashville for the winter meetings. And so you are going to hear uh, a lengthy conversation with Coach Corbin about kind of how he's built that program to what it has been, as well as a cameo from Orioles prospect and recent Vanderbilt first round pick Enrique Bradfield Jr. who joins us for the conversation. So super cool opportunity to kind of get a behind the scenes look at Vandy baseball. I think even if you're not a college baseball fan, I think you will enjoy this conversation to kind of understand what the top of that profession looks like. Uh, Corbin was extremely generous with his time and I think you will all enjoy that conversation. And we wanted to bring you that pre-record on Friday because the reality is, again, I'm, I'm off the grid. Jake is still in Australia for a few more days. And so this is just a good time to drop it. So, you know, again, we have more moves that happen over the next few uh, few days. You will hear about them next week. Jake will be back with a special guest host on Monday. And then next Wednesday, I might be on, I might not, but absolutely can guarantee that a week from Friday, uh, Jake and I will, will reunite here on Baseball Barbercast and uh, and and check in uh, about what what how we're feeling because that's what we do and and we haven't gotten to record that many podcasts together so we appreciate your flexibility uh, and your patience as we kind of navigate this recording schedule. Thank you to everyone for the tremendous feedback on the episode with Benji Nison uh, on <laughs> us teaching him baseball for the first time. That was super delightful. If you enjoyed that, if you enjoyed this, if you enjoyed any of this and want to support us, ratings and reviews on your respective podcast platforms mean the absolute world to us. Um, we really appreciate it. It helps the show, helps people find the show. And, uh, and yeah, otherwise you can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. That's B-A-R-B-Cast. I will not be checking that for the next week, but once I am back, I'm excited to dive into more of those emails. And if the off season remains slow, you know, into February, we could probably use those emails uh, as we need things to talk about. Otherwise, I will I will cut it off here. I've I've pushed it beyond an hour. Thank you to Isabella Josen. Isabella, why don't you why don't you join me here in a second? As you've been listening to me vamp uh, about about Woosuck Go for the last twenty minutes or so. It feels like Isabella has been a champion producer substitute over these last few weeks. As Chris has deserted us, that's a little bit of extreme. But Isabella, have you have you enjoyed uh, producing our our absolute? Uh, mess of a podcast oh yes of course um i've been learning so much about baseball i honestly should have been on that last episode <laughs> <laughs> i was curious as you edited that or listened back to some of that did you did you have any takeaways did benji ask any questions where you're like yeah why don't the pitchers wear helmets was there, was <laughs> well there anything i else did that know that it's i did know that it's called a baseball game okay oh, so that's that's, that's one okay. that's so one. you were ahead of him in that respect yeah. yeah my uh my experience of my knowledge of baseball really just dates back to uh high school gym wiffle ball so okay. i <laughs> i take any similar to benji benji sort of oh, talked really? about that too yeah yeah he was <laughs> he was saying he was saying you know i played it in in I don't know what he referred to gym class as it whatever he had in Belgium but yeah okay so you but hey gym class wiffle ball again you're just swinging the bat you're 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 running after you hit it you know it's exactly it's, it's baseball it's not, it's not that complicated um but but we appreciate your your work uh, over these weeks I, I know Chris also yeah I, I believe Chris is supposed to be back uh next week yes so he is we'll, we'll be hearing his uh wonderful voice here on this pod again here soon which I'm I'm certainly looking forward to N nothing nothing about you but I do miss Chris dearly so excited sure. to uh excited to have him back i'm sure you're you're excited to have him back too to <laughs> have to do this uh three or four we've well, been asking also, about, yeah. i'll also miss you guys oh <laughs> well, 
that's <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll miss. Well, we again drop in whenever you want. You're always welcome to uh, to to join a recording. Um, but okay, well we'll we'll wrap this up here so that you can you can go edit this. I don't need to give you more words to deal with. So thank you again uh, to everyone listening. Thank you, Isabella, for producing. Um, and uh, and yeah, I will I will be back next week at some point. This has been uh, Baseball Barbercast. Thank you to Ben Nicholson-Smith again. Thank you to Jake Mintz. I wonder if he'll listen to this. Probably not, but maybe he will on his... You know, Jake doesn't always listen. I know he doesn't listen back to the show as often as I do, but he's got a long flight back here. Like, I feel like if he's ever going to tune in and, and hear what I said, like, this would probably be the time to listen. This is the ultimate test, truly. So we're going to find out if Jake was really listening. <laughs> but until then, hopefully everybody enjoys the uh, Vandy Boys special on Friday. Uh, and we will uh, talk to you all next week. Thank you all for listening. Bye. Serious XM Podcasts.